Hello, my dear friends. I'm back and we're learning about the Beatitudes and this is part five of the Beatitudes. So we look forward to delving into the Word of God and, and learning uh, how we can be supremely blessed by the Lord. Um, so it's in uh, the Beatitudes are in Matthew, the fifth chapter. And so we're turning to Matthew 5, 8 today. And I'm reading out of the NLT. It says, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Wow. So if we have a pure heart, the Bible says it promises us that we will see God. So that's an awesome promise. Um, I want to see God, don't you? So you think, well, what does that mean? What does seeing God mean? Well, we can see him at work in our own life. We can see him at work in the life of others. Uh, we can see Jesus Christ revealed to us personally in a, in a greater measure. We can see the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can see the wonders of God in creation. We can see what the word of God is speaking to mankind. We can see God at work in response to our prayers. And ultimately, we can see God in heaven, which is, is the most awesome and, and the culmination of everything about the plan of salvation. So God blesses those who heart, whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So I want to see God. How about you? So pure, you think, well, what does that mean? What does pure mean? Pure is something clean, as in clothing. You know, you have a, a, a clean T-shirt. That means it's pure. It's something that's not mixed with something else, like pure fruit, fruit juice is just fruit juice all by itself. It's not mixed with water or additives. So what Jesus was talking about is a purity that comes from deep down on the inside of us. And the first step to become pure, pure in heart, is to become born again, what the Bible calls born again. And we've uh, discussed that quite a bit in the previous Beatitudes, uh, but the long story short, we cannot achieve uh, perfect purity without uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can never be pure enough on our own to be pure before God. But after we are born again and made pure by the blood of Jesus, we are required to live pure lives. And that can be kind of difficult for all of us. So um, the pure in heart are, we're basically, are supposed to be utterly sincere, utterly single-minded, and utterly set to do God's will, and are single-minded in their desire to, to see God and to please God. And Jesus Christ was our best example of this. Um, Jesus said he came to do God's will, not his own. Um, and he strived to do that all, all of his life, and he accomplished it. That's part of um, all the temptations that Jesus received, like out in the wilderness, they were all to decide whether Jesus was going to be pure in heart toward God and follow his plan for his life. So to be pure in heart, we need to follow Jesus and his word in to total harmony with the Holy Spirit. In James 4, verse 8, James 4, verse 8, it says, Come close to God, and God will cl come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So um, in this book, in the book of James, he was talking to people that were already Christians. They were already Christians, but it said that they needed to wash their hands. They needed to purify their hearts. Um, 
because their loyalty was divided between God and the world. And I think every Christian struggles with this, you know, almost continually, some more than others, about uh, keeping their thoughts, their words, their actions, their emotions, their heart all lined up with God and his word. And, you know, a lot of times we can determine for ourselves if our heart is pure by what we say. Um, what we say, the Bible says what we say really reveals what's in our heart. And if we look at Matthew 15, verse 18, Matthew 15, verse 18, it says, but the words you speak come from the heart. So we want a pure heart. If we don't have a pure heart, the Bible says that's what defiles you. Your words reveal what's in your heart. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, and all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. So we don't want to uh, be doing any of those things because it reveals that our heart is impure, and usually we, re we reveal what our heart is doing through our mouth. So you might say, well, how in the world do I stay pure? How can I do that? Well, first of all, sin cannot be allowed to linger in our lives. A lot of times we as human beings have, uh, have a, like a coping mechanism to make excuses for our sins. Well, you know, it's real common right now, you know, to blame our sin on somebody else. Well, I'm this way because somebody did this to me. I'm a victim or, or you know, uh, I did it because I, you know, had needs in my life that weren't met. Or I mean, we can come up with all kinds of excuses for sin, but they don't float before God. Sin must be removed uh, by confession of our sins and repentance. Um, another way to stay pure before the Lord is we must we have to spend, spend time alone with God, meditating and partaking of his word. We see in the life of Jesus that he went away often to pray, to pray, to pray, to seek God, to, to get his strength from the Lord. Um, I know there's been many times in my life that, that I pray this prayer that I'm, I'm going to read here in, in, uh, in just a minute because I recognize in my own life that I need to maintain a pure heart. I need my thoughts, my minds, my actions all to line, uh, stay lined up with the Word of God. So what I'm going to read is Psalm 51, verse 10 in the NIV. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And you can pray that too. Out of your heart, just cry out to the Lord that he would create in you a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within you. And one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is our conscience, which I spoke about before. You know, our conscience, if it's sensitive to the word of God and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it will tell us on the inside of us if we're doing wrong or not. And we can shut that voice out and completely uh, ignore it, or we can listen to it and keep our ways straight before the Lord. Another thing we can do is keep ourselves aware of God's presence at all time. If we know as God is right here on the inside of us, right all around us, he can see us, he can see what we're doing, he can see you know, what our attitudes and our heart is, it'll give us a really good incentive to keep pure before the Lord. And the Bible says one way to keep ourselves pure before God is to eagerly await for the appearing of Jesus and seeing him face to face. In 1 John 3, verse 3, it says, All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. So waiting for Jesus, expecting for Jesus, <clears throat> waiting to see him face to face will help you stay pure. 
In Matthew 15, 14, Matthew 15, 14, it says that the Pharisees could not see God because they were blind to spiritual things. So, you know, we don't want to be blind to spiritual things. We don't want to have like blinders on that we can't even see uh, true spiritual things and see uh, that, you know, we need to remain pure. And as a caution, you know, sometimes the most religious people can be the most impure people. And uh, impure things are not always, you know, adultery and, and uh, alcoholism and beating our spouse and cheating and stealing. And um, impure things can be being critical and judgmental and prideful. So we need to keep our thoughts and our, our hearts pure before the Lord. Another way to help do that is, is just maintain a, a pure thought life. In Philippians 4, Philippians 4 in the NIV, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, of, think about such things. You know, if, if we train our minds to think about these things that we talked about, uh, noble things, right things, pure things, lovely things, admirable things, praiseworthy things, uh, we might be surprised how pure our hearts and our minds become and our actions become because all these things are in line with love and the love walk we are to have before the Lord. So if you do all these things, God promises the pure in heart that they will see God. And that's an almost awesome promise, don't you think? So now the next beatitude. Let's look at Matthew 5, verse 9. I'm going to get a drink of water. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Well, I want to be called the son of God, so I'm going to be a peacemaker. How about you? You know, one of these, uh, one thing that I found uh, very interesting in all these beatitudes that Jesus has talked about <clears throat> is all of them, in all of them, Jesus is encouraged, all these qualities that Jesus is encouraging are totally and completely against the religious traditions of the day. What Jesus was teaching was very, very what we would call countercultural. They were they were uh, just completely and totally opposite of what the religious people of that day thought uh, a spiritual person or religious person, a Jewish person would be like or believe. Um, and Jesus Christ was preventing presenting very, very radical ideas, and they weren't accepted at all by the most religious people. Uh, the things that you know we've taught in the previous sessions were the complete and uh, complete and total opposite of what the Jews were looking for in a Messiah and a leader. See, the Jews had their hearts set on the Messiah, but they had they had concocted in their mind uh, what this Messiah and this spiritual uh, revolutionary leader that that God had promised was going to be. Um, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the, are the pure in heart, 
And all of those things, the people of that day just thought, you can't be serious. You know, that's not what we're looking for. And that's not what God promised us. He didn't promise somebody who was meek and mild and merciful and pure in heart. You know, uh, the people of that day were believing for a, a religious and a political leader who was going to, and a, and a uh, military ruler who was going to, uh, take over and destroy the Roman Empire and make the Jewish people free. And that's not what Jesus was going to do. And if, if we look at our culture here in the United States and in many, many other places in the world, those things are still against much of the religious Christian religious culture of today and against the culture of the world. People are still looking for... Uh, a religious leader, a political leader that's a Christian to uh, to defeat and, and, and uh, have victory and uh, do things that are completely opposite to the things in the Beatitudes. So, you know, if we want the blessing of God, we've got to be willing to go against the world's culture and against much of the religious culture. Um, and this applies so much to this beatitude that we're talking about now, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, many Christians, along with Christian leaders, Christian uh, media, Christian super PACs, Christian news personalities, promote things that would not qualify them as uh, peacemakers. And you might think, oh, no, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that they're doing that because we need to hear what they have to say. Well, if you ha realize that, that what they're promoting a lot of times is hate, fear, and division uh, to achieve popularity by, by gaining a following or trying to promote their goals or this version of, you know, their version of the, of the world, um, you have to understand that they're not promoting peace. And if they're touting themselves as a Christian, uh, you have to understand that they're not following the teachings of Jesus. You know, Jesus' disciples and the Jews during his time on the earth did not want peace. They did not want peace. They wanted war. They wanted conflict. They wanted political upheaval. Um, and they wanted victory over the Romans. And you see those same things in many Christian circles today. Christian news media, our, 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 our conservative news media, conservative politicians, they want uh, these same things. They want to stir up hate. They want to stir up fear. They want to stir up division. They want to tell lies to discredit people, um, to try to gain a following, or to try to promote their goals in their version of the world. And that doesn't go in line with the teachings of Jesus or the Beatitudes. So we need to really think about that. <clears throat> um, Jesus' disciples and the Jews, as I said, during his time on the earth did not want peace. They wanted war. They wanted conflict. They wanted political upheaval and victory. And if you see throughout the generations through history, uh, Christians have succumbed to this uh, desire that the Jews of his day also succumbed to. And it happens just over and over again. Christians think that that God has inspired their, their political leaders to stir up hate, fear, division, da-da-da-da-da, but that's not the teachings of Jesus. 
One, one religious group in, in the time of Jesus was called the Zealots. And one of Jesus' 12 apostles, Simon, was a zealot. And according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, the Zealots were an aggressive political party whose concern for the national and religious life of the Jewish people led them to despise even Jews who sought peace and conciliation with the Roman authorities. So the, the Zealots absolutely despised any Jews who sought peace and, rec and reconciliation with the Roman authorities or that wanted to work with them to make things better. So you see this is a long-standing problem, and Jesus Christ was trying to change the way the disciples thought and how they acted, a change from the old covenant to the new, from a worldly way of, way of thinking, which I'm not saying is the old covenant, but they, they had developed it into a very worldly way of thinking, to a new way of thinking. <clears throat> He wanted them to stop thinking about earthly kingdoms and start thinking about a heavenly kingdom. And I know in the United States, uh, much of the church has been so absorbed with the earthly kingdom of the of the political political you know stature in, in the United States that they've lost track of their only priority should be the kingdom of heaven and advancing the kingdom of heaven, and it's never advanced through division and fear and hate. Over and over again, in the New Testament, God is called the God of peace. If we're to be his children, we need to be peacemakers. First of all, we have to have peace with God uh, before we can be peacemakers with other people, or before we can become peacemakers. Um, inside, internal Personal peace is a result from God forgiving us and is a result of the Holy Spirit working in our life or, or the fruit of the Spirit working in our life. In Colossians 3.15, in the King James Version, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So the first way we need to have peace is having peace with God uh, because he, he forgave us, Jesus shed his blood so he could forgive us and make peace with mankind. You know, peacemaking in its truest and most powerful form is an overwhelming influence of love that we express to others. So when we express love to people, we're making peace with them. You know, a true peacemaker brings uh, means being an initiator in re reconciling conflict with other people. Uh, and that's what God did. That's what Jesus Christ did. You know, there was not peace between God and man, but God loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ. So he was an initiator in resolving that conflict. You know, peacemakers are generous and gracious and kind-hearted. You know, it requires God's grace, his patience, and his wisdom in rich supply. I think we can all understand that. And there's two ways that God wants us to actually be peacemakers. The first way is to help people make peace between each other, bringing peace between people. Bring people who are having conflict together. <clears throat> you know, peacemaker is an active word. It's not a passive word. It, it, it denotes active involvement in bringing people together who are estranged. It's going out of our way and working to bring peace in situations. 
You know, the Bible says you are a blessed person and you will be called the son of God when you bring peace between people instead of perpetuating offense and strife. So when people need your help, and they do need your help, we need to learn how to bring peace and how to walk in love and not not continue on uh, with people and their strife and, and difficulties. <clears throat> One important thing is when we listen to uh, people in conflict, a peacemaker cannot take sides but must listen to both sides and then pre- present God's view from the word of God which will always include love and mercy and forgiveness. In Proverbs 18:17, it says there are two sides to every story. The first one to speak sounds true until you hear the other side and they set the record straight. So you can never be a peacemaker if you jump to conclusions, if you believe gossip and you only hear one side of the story, you will never bring uh, peace to a situation. My husband, Terry, is absolutely fantastic at this. He is, a, he is a wonderful peacemaker, and he is great at reconciling people together, and, and he's truly gifted at it. He's a good example. Um, you can't be a peacemaker if you're crabby, if you're complaining, if you're backbiting, if you're gossip, if you're not submissive to authority, and you like stirring up conflict. All of those are the opposite of, of being a peacemaker. If you hold a grudge, you can't be a peacemaker. Um, if you, you know, like, you know, there's people that absolutely like problems and strife and stirring up things, and those people can never be a peacemaker. So think about yourself. Do you enjoy conflict? Do you, you enjoy talking about people behind your, their back? Do you enjoy, you know, thinking the worst of people? Then you're not going to be a very good peacemaker. Um, in our culture, you cannot be a peacemaker if you're a Democrat and every single thing the Republicans do is wrong, or if you're a Republican and every single thing the Democrats do is wrong. You cannot be a peacemaker. A peacemaking extends into every area of our lives, and God is calling us to be peacemakers, to see people as God sees them to extend a hand of friendship, to understand people, to be able to uh, compromise, to come into agreement with people. Um, It doesn't include dissension, strife, and things like that. Peacemakers don't complain to others about coworkers, about their employers, about their pastors, about the neighbors. You know, there's a time that we, you know, always have to discuss problems you know that we're having with maybe a certain person but a peacemaker doesn't doesn't talk to the wrong people about it and doesn't you know keep spreading the difficulties i want to ask you a question how many people do you know that are peacemakers you know a peacemaker is so pleasant to be around they're just wonderful gracious sweet people to be around so i want to i wonder if you've ever thought about you know, different people, you know, that person is really a peacemaker. They're really good at, at uh, seeing both sides of the story, about bringing people together, about helping resolve conflict. So I want to be that kind of person. So the second way we are to be peacemakers is to bring peace between God and man by sharing the gospel. 
to, to reconcile to help reconcile people back to God. Um, it, it talks about in Romans 5, 1, in the New Living Translation, it says, therefore, since we have been made right with God, let me start again. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So you can see God was a peacemaker. He was making peace between himself and mankind through Jesus Christ. Verse 2, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into, his, into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we are confidently and joyous, joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So a peacemaker uh, uh, lets people have undeserved privileges. He, that peacemaker is gracious. A peacemaker is full of love. Now, if we go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 in the NLT, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has become, and that's called the new birth. Verse 18, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of recon reconciling people to him, or in other words, being a peacemaker. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Uh, God is making this appeal through us when we speak for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. So peacemakers are telling people about Jesus to bring men back to God and bringing them together. As Christians, we cannot always live our outward lives in peace and tranquility because the Bible tells us the world hates us in John 15, 18. But if we're peacemakers between in our own hearts and if we are peacemakers between uh, bringing peace between people and if we're helping bring peace between uh, people and God, then we'll have that inner attitude of peace and tranquility and, to and tolerance um, in the face of angry attacks and assaults. The Bible says that even though men may hate me, I can have peace with them. So just think about that. Jesus, even when he was insulted, he did insult in return. When Jesus was falsely accused, he did not blow up in anger. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do when when uh, he was being crucified. And uh, peace, uh, people who are peacemakers have to have pure motives. They can't be uh, take sides, and they can't be troublemakers. So I want to ask you a question. Are you a peacemaker? It makes me think of the famous prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, 
it for it is in giving that one receives it is in self-forgetting that one finds it is in pardoning that one is pardoned and it is in, it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life so that's an awesome prayer i think it's a prayer from our hearts that would be good for all of us to pray in second peter verse 1 or chapter 1 verse 2 it says grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of god and our lord jesus christ and i pray that for you today that grace and peace would be yours in abundance through the knowledge of god and our lord jesus christ i pray that his grace and peace would abound to you and would be multiplied in your hearts and lives and like I said earlier, the, the first step to get that, that peace in your lives is to have peace with God through believing and trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can go to him and confess your sins and just turn your life around by, by putting your faith in him and calling upon him, asking him to forgive you and making him the Lord of your life. And I pray that you do that. Well, this has been great. Um, we have another beatitude next week that I'm looking forward to it, and that will be the last beatitude that Jesus talked about. And I just encourage you to check in on Sunday. Pastor Terry and I are talking about we've got marriage problems. So the first session was really great, and I encourage you to, to turn it, tune in and listen to it. Uh, we had a great time doing it, and I think you'll enjoy it and benefit from it. So we will see you hopefully on Sunday. Bye-bye. <music>